You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. To learn more, visit rt11.com. How do you go from a few taco carts in 2017 to an 11,000-square-foot warehouse, complete with kitchen and counter service in just a few years? Not to mention the 60-plus retail outlets and coffee shops where you can score an Austin-style breakfast taco. We're going to find out. Yes, so today on the show we have founder Liz from King David Tacos, which we're so excited to learn all about the story about how we've scaled. She's an Austin native and she makes good breakfast tacos in New York City and they swear per their website that they're actually good ones. I like it. I like it. It's like very, it's like a little, it's a nice like southern nod. Like I was just tired of answering all the questions. Like I swear they're the ones. That's it. This is legit. They are legit. So um, yeah, welcome. So we're going to cook today yes. and we're going to chat about your journey so far yeah. going from one cart to 60 locations and yes. a new brick and mortar. Yep. Um, what are we first? What are we making? So we're going to be making a modified Migas. Um, I mean, Migas is a dish that is different depending on where you have it, but you know, our Migas is obviously Tex-Mex inspired. Um, you're going to run into different Migas like in Spain, Mexico, South America versus Texas, but it always is some kind of base of tomatoes, peppers, and onions. Sometimes that comes in the form of actually tomatoes, peppers, and onions, and sometimes it's more of a salsa. Um, our migas that in our mom's migas taco is our mom's salsa, which is a tomato-based salsa, but I today decided to change it up, and I brought our verde salsa, which we also use to make a verde migas, which is a little bit of a spin-off on a traditional migas. Sure. But it's like the same idea. I mean, tomatillos, you know, not technically related to tomatoes, I don't think, but they're, you know, the same kind of body genre. Right, yeah, genre. Okay. Um, I mean, literally, it's like little tomato, but anyway. For those that don't know, what are migas? So, so migas are um, you, an egg dish that uh, starts with a base of either tomatoes, peppers, onions, or a salsa. Sorry, I, I uh, dropped off on this part. So after that, you scramble the eggs in, and you can either do... Traditionally, it's day-old corn tortilla strips. So, so much of Tex-Mex is born out of necessity or like what you have. So, you know, while you serve tortilla chips um, on the tables at Tex-Mex restaurants, it's like leftover corn right. tortillas from yes. the other day before. So, Migas is again <laughs> using leftover tortillas. Um, that's one way to do it. That will give you a more of a soft, uh, I guess, texture to the actual corn part of it. Um, you can crush chips in like at the last minute and get a really like crunchy, more chilaquiles type of migas. Our type is definitely on the softer side. We do use fresh tortilla chips, um, crush uh, crush them in to the eggs and uh, salsa base. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Cool. No, I mean it sounds yeah. So that and you put that in taco form. Yeah. So you can eat migas as a platter. Um, is it that's a where you yeah it would get served like i think yeah the traditional way to serve migas would be as a platter so you get maybe tortillas on the side mm -hmm. but then the scramble in the middle just like you're ordering you know like a you know farmer scramble then whatever you know other kind of scramble you would order um and then definitely beans um on the side as well all right 
is awesome. Can you always be my sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> Alex is prepping. Alex has yeah. Julian some peppers yeah. and some onions, as well as dice some tomatoes, uh, dice some onions if we're ready to go. Can I start? Yeah, let's, yeah. let's start rolling and we'll keep going with questions. So for our, for our listeners not in New York City who maybe haven't come across um, one of your taco carts, mm-hmm. tell, our, tell our listeners, you know, what is King David's taco? Where are you today? So we started in 2016. I guess I should start by saying I don't come from food. I um, started in advertising in New York. I moved here right after school, UT, Um, UT Austin, which now you have to, I guess, clarify. But anyway, moved here after after school. um, Worked in advertising for 10 years, and then started this um, basically out of the desire to make a better grab and go breakfast. I mean, obviously, I'm from Texas, proud of being from Texas, all that stuff, but like. If New York, you know, that's not only going to get you so far, like, you know, yeah. kind of Texas gimmick. So, um, but I really feel like the breakfast taco is the perfect balanced breakfast food. So as a business opportunity, I uh, decided to start Indiana Tacos. It's named after my dad, um, who, when I did first move here, he was like, you need to set up a breakfast taco stand in Times Square, because I was working in Rollo Plaza. Was that like a joke? He was like, you should set up a I was not joking. He was like dead serious. He was dead serious, and it's like, congratulations on your successful yeah. career. Why don't you? Yeah. And I was just, right, and I was like, no, like, uh, you know, I loved my new coffee man, but I didn't want to be one, and he was like, I'll give you the capital to do it, and I remember when he said that word, I had no idea what capital meant. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, okay, whatever, I don't know what you're talking about, but sure, talk to you later, like hang up my landline, you know. And I always, when I think about that, I'm like, why was I talking to my dad on my landline at my desk at work? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, and then he uh, had Louis body dementia, so the whole, like, me leaving advertising and starting this was kind of inspired by, um, you know, life, the importance of, of living life to the fullest. And when I was fantasizing about starting this, uh, while I was working my advertising jobs, I always knew that the name would be King David Tacos because he was a his nickname. His name was David. His friends called him King David. It's meant uh-huh. to be ambiguously Jewish, right, but right. it's not. Right, it's not, right. Well, it's not really that ambiguously Jewish, but right. it's meant to King. be like I was curious. Yeah. I was curious. I was like, so there's nothing inherently Jewish about the dishes. No, I, yeah, yeah. And I'm Jewish. I like like King David. Is yeah, very, yeah, like, yeah. Israeli, yeah, yeah. Thing you hear a lot. Right, you see it a lot, and I think that that also struck me when I moved here from Texas. I'm like, there's so much Jewish stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was speaking of coffee cart, man. Like, when the coffee cart guy was not there on um, Yom Kippur, I was like, what the hell? Like, things are closed on Yom Kippur in yeah. New York? Like, yeah. That was, that was a, you know, that was surprising to me. Yeah. Um, Southern Jews. Yeah. I know. Same. Yeah. Where are you from? You're I'm from Atlanta. Okay, so cool. So uh, Yes, yeah, actually my, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. Um, my dad's from Birmingham originally. Yep. And my family in Georgia. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so that, so did your dad end up giving you capital for the first part? No, not directly. Not I mean, directly. yeah, um, I mean, I guess technically directly. Um, uh, that's, a story, that's further down the line. So basically I, when I started this, he was, uh, yeah. Um, ending the end of his illness, and I didn't have any um, capital, and I was like, how do I do this and not have any money, now that I knew what capital meant, <laughs> um, and, like, try to see if, if make this work, and so we started the catering company, um, and that just meant, company. Yeah. yeah, so I, that just meant that I was able to, like, rent the kitchen for when I had orders, and I was making people order, like, 
the time so that that was kind of the break even. Like, so I hope I hope to rent it, pay someone else to work with me. Sometimes not. Um, and how were you finding problems? customers? Um, so I had a, a pretty uh, I had a pretty robust advertising network, and I knew like from my time in advertising that the, the breakfast options for client meetings and for team meetings were nothing. So at so first you're like, I'm going to cater for corporate breakfast. Yeah, totally. So, um, but the, that was never the goal. Like I'm, I'm very passionate about food, but I'm not. Um, I, I'm not wanting to have a catering company for the rest of my life. So that was just kind of like the entry point. So that was to test the market to make sure that we could make a breakfast taco to make sure that I knew what the hell I was, you know, getting into. I mean, that I was didn't pretty risk free. Pretty risk free. Well, you had no extreme amounts of sleep deprivation. <laughs> I'm just like overworking myself. And you had left your full time job. Um, I had left my full time job. Yeah. So we're just we're tell tell our people who are listening and not watching what are we doing right now. So right now I'm making um, rajas, um, which are rajas literally means strips. Typically, when you see rajas on a menu, it's poblano rajas, so it would, and it implies also there's onions, so these strips of poblano, strips of onions. Um, I use jalapenos just because I like them more. I mean, I like jalapeno, I like poblanos, but like I like spicy, so yeah. I'm just making some rajas that will ultimately top the migas, and I'm going to grab a little bowl, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, started as catering, but then was like immediately after that summer, I was like, okay, we've got something here. Like, how am I going to sell it to more people? How am I going to be more of a like consumer brand? Did you have a website? And all, did you like, have a website? Any, did you have to have, to have any startup capital for this, or it was literally like I'm um, just going to use the money when I need it and have orders? And no, I'm like, what money? Did I, have? I don't even know. Like, what? Money? I think I used a credit card. Um, wow. And I was, I was, I think that was the first, you know, the first time in our early history that we were profitable and built the last time. <laughs> um, I mean, I built the website on Squarespace and uh, definitely needs to be like redone now, but um, it was very scrappy. Extremely scrappy. scrappy. So at what point were you like, okay, I have a proof of concept, it's proven, and now it's, it's part time in Times Square. So it's, I then started digging into, I tried to raise money, and I went to, the, I remember our first, like, investor meeting, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to get permits, and we're going to do all these carts and blah, 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 and they were like, cool, like, are you sure you can get permits, and I was like, I think so, <laughs> uh, and then I did more research, got myself a little more educated, and saw how hard it was, um, and I guess I should take how a step back, to get the permits, get the permits, yep, to be a street vendor, yes, in New York City, city. yeah, it's basically impossible. What I found was, I think I, when I took that meeting, I had like done, you know, some research, but um, didn't know quite enough. I don't know, you know. But I, as I then I dug into it, and I was like, there's the only way to do this is through the parks department. But to back up is like I always knew we could do our the wholesale program or the retail partner program, or uh, go straight retail, which I felt like carts were the option because it was easier to manage than like the overhead of an entire brick and mortar. Um, and then strategically realizing that we would have access to different corners and things that there was no other retail or that were literally in people's paths. So you never um, wanted to have brick and mortar. Never like wanted to have brick and mortar because I felt like the biggest question for me was always like, why had this not worked for anyone else yet? Like was there another had, model that you were looking at that sort of guided that decision? Or um, I mean, I knew that in, in Austin, like, grab-and-go breakfast tacos were a thing. Like, you have, like, your breakfast tacos that you read about and, like, you know, Bon Appetit, and that's, like, you know, your Veracruz and whatever. 
And then you have the functional breakfast tacos. And New York needed a functional breakfast taco. And because I was curious about that, like in Austin, because I don't, I mean, I visited France and UT, and I remember that it was like a drive through we went through. Yes. That was yeah, that. I bet you went to Taco Shack. Blue and white. Are most of them blue and white? That way, or are they? It might have been. Um, a lot of them are drive through I mean, but that's the thing with breakfast tacos. So they're brick and mortar spots. Yes, they're all brick and mortar, but then they also have grab and go. So, like, even Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf is carrying a local breakfast taco brand okay. in Austin. The grab and go is essentially the product that's placed into another retail store. Yes, yeah. And then uh, other breakfast taco places are all brick and mortar, and it's on people that have drive through. Everyone's driving to work. Right. You're getting your coffee where you get your breakfast tacos, or you're getting your breakfast tacos where you get your coffee, but everyone's getting breakfast tacos in the morning. So, so it's like, it's yeah. yeah, it's part of the lifestyle. So it's not bagels and coffee? Or no. Like there's like right? two, I think there's like, I mean, I did grow up next to one place called the Bagelry, which was um, very, I don't even know if those bagels were good now that I look back. Like, there's, <laughs> there's like no, I think, right. I think they were good. In my memory, they were good, but there's no bagels. So like the equivalent of like Starbucks in Austin, Texas has breakfast tacos. Instead 100%. Of like, yeah, and to even understand like, Austin didn't have a Starbucks until 1997. Right. Like, it, you know, it's, and we, we didn't get a Macy's until the early 2000s. Like, everyone thinks of Austin as this, like, big place, but it was, like, very much a homegrown atmosphere yeah. for a very long time. Um, so, uh, so basically, I saw those two ways, and I was like, well, I have no real brand. Sorry, I'm not really familiar with your, I'm like, it's always it's always fun to test somebody else's oven yeah. stove for the first when you're picking something yeah. Um yeah. So um I was like I don't have a brand you know worth going also I mean thank god I didn't try to do retail partners first because there's a lot more regulations when you get into that area, so it's right. like yeah. wouldn't have been prepared for it. But I said, okay, put that on ice, let's go build the brand, let's do brick and mortar, but we can't do brick and mortar, so how are we doing that? It's carts. Uh, it's impossible to get permits. How am I going to do this? So I just started emailing the parks department <laughs> over and over so and over. Shake Shack yeah. style, like the original Shake yes. Shack was in. Yes. You know, yeah, exactly. Right. So, and a park, so you're like, okay, I'm going to go. Right. And so parks. I like, yeah. And so I, and I had a lot of confidence in my ability to, uh, basically it came down to, you have to like, uh, respond to RFPs. You have to present your case. Basically you just sell it, which is yeah. advertising. And so, or like I learned that skill, um, of selling things in and advertising. So, I was, luckily there were, uh, there was an RFP coming from Prospect Park and there was one coming from um, Financial District and I responded to both and we won both. Um, and so. How did you find those? By, by emailing the Parks Department and like working my way up, like calling every day. Hi, I spoke to so-and-so yesterday. They told right. me that you could connect me with so-and-so who said that there might be an RFP coming out. Like what's this, what's the timing of this other RFP? Just persistence. I mean, just like really knocking down the doors of the Parks Department, who is, you know, sometimes a little bit opaque. And why is the Parks Department easier to get a permit for than, like, it's, that's, it's like just a totally separate system? Totally like, separate system. It's like there's unrestricted permits, and that's on the waiting list from 2007, which someone just told me yesterday that they have, if you've been on the waiting list since 2017, they're now releasing a bunch of permits. I was like, I have. Am I going to get another permit? I'm like, no, I'll do another cart. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it's been very impossible. They have a limited number of permits, and you basically have to wait for someone to die. Oh my god! To get an unrestricted permit, um, and then there's a the whole black market that's involved, right. where they are. I mean, you think that all these like old men are hanging on to their permits and running their carts? No, they're selling those permits for forty thousand dollars, which is illegal. And I didn't feel like starting my business like in a fashion. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, 
Oh, okay. So that's in the past. In the past, the Prospect Park was all new, so there was no reference. Now, how does that work? Some of because some of these buildings in yeah. New York Park could have been well. So mine were just like very mobile. old, or yeah. So they'll do capital projects where they're they, so they want you to. With you. Uh, they will invest, or, or they want you to invest. Like McCarran, they're they're making whoever's doing that now. I think it was like Brooklyn Bazaar or something. But they're they have to pay for that. And they probably want you to. They they're gonna make you show money. <laughs> right. But for my cart, it was like here's the design, here's what we're doing. Like, they give you the cart. No, no, no. Yeah, we gave it. Yeah, yeah but I had to like you know share my cart design and all of that. I, honestly, I guess there wasn't really a high bar except for them like trusting that you can do it. And to be honest, like I'm one of the only operators that's. There were three people who won that RFP in different locations, and I'm the only one who ever opened. Interesting. Wow. So, um, or one opened, but then closed, like, soon after. So they have a tough time. It's in the park. So fast forward to Madison Square Park, like, I proposed to rent, but they were like, you know, that's very low compared to what people have paid in this space before. And I was like, and where are they now? Right. Uh, like, yeah. so I was like, I know it, you know, I think that they... In that case, we're like more interested in um, having someone who could operate consistently. And I think for all the parks, that's really what they want. They want someone who can operate consistently. Like one of the metrics that um, Prospect Park does is like how many days of for their other like the things that we were able to reference were other operators. They had like a cafe in the middle of the park, and it's like how many days did they operate the year? And it's like thirty. No, really? Yeah, yeah but then. Maybe I'm exaggerating. Don't quote me on that. But like, yeah. but it was like they weren't open very often. Right. Which sucks. They're trying to provide a service right. to, right. to the right. park. So they just wanted someone, they wanted, someone they're judging you as an operator. And obviously for Madison Square Park, that became a much easier sell. I was like, you know, look, I operated rain, wind, sleet, snow for two years in other parks. So that was like an easier sell. So you, have, so you basically started with the two parts at the same time just because yes. that's the RFP. Yes, yeah, September. I just wanted to get open ASAP. September for Prospect Park 2017. And uh, November for Bye-Dye. Don't Not open a park in the middle of winter. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we're doing it. It worked out. Right. It ended up being okay. Yeah. You're, and so, you're out of the commissary cooking yes. food and then you have people to operate the cart. How is this? Oh, boy. How, how deep do y'all want to go on mobile vendors? <laughs> I was I was running the cart. I was also cooking tacos. I was I was working on the cart several days a week. I was the original driver. I right. but like you have to get people. Each person standing has to have a license. Has to have a right. mobile vendor license, which is different than the food. We actually know a little bit about. We had food. we had a mobile we had a mobile truck that wasn't mobile, so we had mobile. Oh yeah. yeah, nice. You know they let you do that class online now. Oh. Can you believe that? You can really go to hundred. Street and yeah. do it in person, yeah. but now from COVID, there's so many good things that happened to me. I know from things yeah. actually got a little bit more efficient. Than some, yeah, they were like, actually, we don't need to make you go through all these terrible hoops. Yeah, um, so you have the two, and for that's where you got that's where you raised the friends and family was to start those two carts. Yes, it was to, yeah, to fund the two carts. So, um, we raised uh 30k, which you know, at the time was millions of dollars, but, but that's not much. <laughs> no, to actually build a custom cart. Uh, my carts were tiny. My yeah. carts are like the size of this island. And then you had to rent a commissary kitchen now um, to cook the tacos. So then right? I was paying, yeah, so so basically getting us on this daily production schedule allowed me to, so I was in the shared kitchen in, in Industry City called Hana Kitchens where okay. I was renting by the four-hour block. Stress, like, 
getting out of like the kitchen by the time. Yeah, by the minutes, people standing at the door waiting for you to get out, people getting into you have a cubby basically for all your stuff. Like people are like I'm missing gloves, you know, when I walk in the next day. It's just like nightmare. I always say there's like so many things that I've run into in the business that would that didn't stop me. I I will never go back to a shared kitchen. It was tough, but it's a great place to come up. Um I learned a lot about what how I don't want to run my operation. Um that's important. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, we were in the shared kitchen, but then I was like, I can't keep going up, down, up, down, calling people, hey, I have a catering order, can you work tonight or tomorrow morning? So yeah. you're taking catering orders, plus you have the cards. Well, then, so the cards were enabling me to get into an everyday production schedule, because right. I was going to be open um, every day, so we rented out a kitchen in the shared kitchen that was ours permanently. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, the commissary for the actual cart. We were non-processing, which is another decision I made about, like, grab-and-go. Right. I had to convince the Department of Health that a breakfast taco is the same as a sandwich, which was incredible of, like, how hard that was. Um, I remember one of the guys... I love it, because I'm an angel to be. It's a taco sandwich. USDA, the USDA says no, but Department of Health, New York City, I mean, they were saying you could do a prepackaged sandwich at a non-processing cart. I was like, so this is a prepackaged taco, breakfast taco. And they were like, I don't understand. I was like, oh, they were like, how are you going to put this on? And I was like, it does not have lettuce on a breakfast taco. And, I was like, I, and he goes, what if you want to put lettuce? I was like, I would never allow someone to put lettuce on a breakfast taco. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Which they let me do non-processing, so that meant I could use a depot. There's just, I don't have to empty water. I didn't have a hand wash sink. So I found like a, a commissary in Gowanus that was locally, like, or close to, it was very close to Industry City. Old man name. So these are fully assembled. Fully assembled. So there's, there's no handling whatsoever for the. No handling. Yeah, we couldn't do like a salsa bar because that would have been handling. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. do drinks with ice because that would have been handling. So I sacrificed a few things, and the Department of Health was like, "You should make this a processing cart." Like my inspections, my first inspection was a nightmare, where you take the cart to the to the to the depot or to the comp to inspection depot. Um, Eggs. Hold on, no, salsa first. Yeah, so <laughs> I was, I've done this before where I, I did the eggs first. Um, so now we're going to start the Mika's tacos. So um, we just refried some beans with a little onion and oil. And now that's chilling to be yes. our side dish. And actually, because I assumed I myself thought I was doing eggs first, I put oil in here and I don't want to do this or else it's going to splatter on yeah. me. Can I just pour it back in here? I'm yeah. going to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not distracted getting fired up about DOH. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's something like it's, like it's a fresh run towards hot and different color here. Yeah. Uh, like DOH and the permitting process. Uh, uh, yeah, so, okay, so commissary, I mean, now I was able to hire a full-time staff. I was able to have a kitchen that no one was entering daily, stealing things from me. Oh you know, it was just like that. And then we were going to start building the brand, and that's how we got like, our first review from... Robert C. at Sema, and like that's how we became a brand, a brand. like what you wanted. Yeah. So it was the two carts, the catering, and then and you have the. And then I was like, all right, now I'm gonna go into coffee shops. So um, I started. Um, I mean, we operated the carts for like a year to a year and a half, maybe. And was the response immediate for that? No, um, no, no. The response. So we were lucky in that our second kitchen. Um, yeah. was the former uh, catering kitchen or commissary kitchen for Hill Country, who's like a Texas brand who wanted to carry breakfast tacos. So uh -huh. they were like a first, you know, easy sell of a customer. 
Uh, but the carts, though, did that immediately catch on? Oh, the carts? In the parks. Prospect was a little bit harder. Financial district was quick. I guess Prospect came before financial, and uh -huh. so I think that, like, it was, it, it, I think it, yeah, it did catch on pretty quick. I mean, we had the farmer's market on Saturdays, which was a blessing. And you were running seven days a week. Seven days a week. At, the, at all the locations until yeah. that time. I mean, we definitely went out the first day with, like, you know, 400 tacos and, like, sold 50. You know, yeah. so it was, like... That's so good. Yeah, and the King David got a few looks, and then yeah, tacos. What is a breakfast taco? That used to be like a big question. <laughs> be like, don't we don't? That's like in our interviews and our training. Like, what is a breakfast taco? I'm like, how do you explain this? Um, so. Um, so there was customer education and people are like, why am I eating tacos with my financial coffee? district was like very fast. I mean, I set up literally in front of the last ad agency that I used to work in because I just saw people, I myself felt like I'm going to work and I'm buying food from a bodega that I'm paying $12 for my hair. I walked out, my hair smells like bodega and I'm not <laughs> satisfied with what I got. So right. it was pretty immediate. And that's how you kind of knew like there was a need. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, the carts did it themselves I always say I'm like if only we had invested in advertising imagine what we could have done like I was right. doing our PR like it was when I it was scrappy it's still scrappy it's still scrappy okay so then tell you're, us about the yeah, transition yeah, into exactly. so okay December 2018 I feel like Bergen RIP reached out to me cold um Hill Country was like becoming our new landlord that was so those were our first two customers and um, I always had my eye on Hungry Ghost, so I cold called him and or emailed like through their website. I was like, hello, info at Hungry Ghost, like, or it's like a form, you know. And I explained what I did, and he was he emailed back and was like, let's meet. And I, um, I guess I sold him on it. Marat, he was like, how do you know you're going to be in business in a year? I was like, because I will. <laughs> just, I, just, I know I will. Yeah, and how like, many Hungry Ghost locations are there? Um, 11 now. And you're in all of them. Yeah. And you yes. did it, I would imagine, like a test run. Yeah, we did it just like two in their, in their like most kind of embedded stores. Um, and then um, and then just kept tacking on, tacking on, tacking on. And he how was, did you handle the like additional scaling that, yeah. scale for making the tacos were you still in the same we were space so we had now moved to our own but now you're in hill country yeah we're in like on in downtown brooklyn and like their old catering kitchen which like yeah and like i was like we're in a palace this is a palace right. <laughs> um, it's nice to keep upgrading yeah, in the yeah. Right direction. we got our own walk-in i was like this is this is the it for the end for me um <laughs> so um I, how did we handle it? I mean, the thing is that, that our product is made to scale. Like, I made it so that, you know, you could add on hundreds of tacos at night and you should be getting better utilization mm -hmm. of your staff, of your of your assets. Are there so, varieties? Is it like one skew essentially? So we started with two and then we added, we started with Queen Bean and Beepak, we added chorizo. I'm trying to get this, the migas, by the way, the key is when you do, if you're doing salsa, you have to cook all of the water out. Otherwise, you're going to end up with like a weird mealy egg. Yep. Right. So I really reduce it down to just the guts, I guess. Tomatillo. Are you going to take that out and then no. put the egg in? You no, you put the egg yeah. in. Yep. So we're reducing down the, we have put green salsa in the pan. It's reducing down. Can we talk about what's in the salsa? Is it's that so. No, it's not a secret. Well, you can look at it and figure it out. Um, <laughs> so, well, but I'm saying like, so, you know, there's, 
their secrets, but I won't give you the secret secrets. It's really cute. <laughs> um, we do, um, we have uh, fresh and pickled jalapenos in here, and then we also do carrots, which is the orange bits in here. Huh. Uh, and they make all their own salsa. And garlic. So it's yes. healthy salsa. It's healthy, it's healthy salsa. salsa. Yeah. There's no, a lot of people like, add sugar to salsa. We don't add sugar to salsa. Yeah, just to, to, to reduce the acid. Um, but yeah, no, no sugar adding our salsa. eggs. How long did you test with Hungry Ghost before they decided, let's do this? It was probably like a few month process. Like we were doing like two, I think he also wanted to make sure that I could, you know, keep my word and actually deliver every day. Sometimes I think about that. We've done a really good job of being consistent. I don't think everyone is. Um, do they have your stuff with other, is it, is there like, they have a lot of breakfast offerings or was it like, or now is it like exclusive? They, they, before COVID, they had a kitchen and they were serving their own breakfast tacos, which no offense, Marat, those are definitely wraps. wraps. (laughs) They're they're wraps. They're not really breakfast tacos, but because they served a different purpose, they had people putting chips into the the migas. You do it while the eggs are still wet so that you can get... I've never seen this done. No, I've never seen crushed chips put in. I didn't really know what to expect with breakfast tacos, and now I'm like... Yeah, I kind of um, thought, like, what's she going to do? Put some eggs in the tortilla. But, like, this is... Yeah, this that's is, the thing. Everybody, this sounds text nights. you got to watch yeah. out for the underdog. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Um, so, and then I'm turning off the pan. You never... Me, guess you can, like, cook more than a tradition, like, a regular egg. Like, I do a soft scramble, but um, you don't want to overcook. Do you... Is it typically soft scrambled with the, the eggs that go into the tacos? Our, our eggs are soft scrambled, yes, because then there's also, like, you know... They are then held for four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Is this something that you made a lot as a kid, or like? My mom made. Like so my mom. That's why it's called Mom's Amigas. My mom made this every every uh, weekend. She all she made a salsa. That's the inspiration for the mom's salsa. We had to like doctor it a little bit just to become more food service okay. friendly. Very sexy candy to you, Um So. But yeah, so she made a salsa that she would make me go just like this, same process, yeah. reducing. I remember her, you know, watching me do it, even if we didn't have her salsa and I was making Migas with paces. Because yes, we ate paces. Love Pace Picante. New York City. In New York City. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, she's always like, get the water out, reduce all the water out. Yeah. Um, so okay. now you're in so now 11. Hungry Ghosts, you've got the parks going on. Yep, we've got the parks, we've got Hungry Ghosts, we've got, who else was back then? I mean, COVID, you know, we lost a few in COVID, but we just started expanding to other people, and Hungry Ghosts, it served as the marketing vehicle, I think, for everything else, so is that partnership, and he was, he and his team is really awesome to work with, and they were really successful because he was very analytical about his numbers, figured out some stores sell a ton of tacos, some sell some stores sell less, but he was very on top of like the trends in that way and was able to reduce his waste and just make it very successful for them. Oh, I was saying they sold their own breakfast tacos, but one was for people who are gonna sit and eat and they can sit there and order breakfast tacos and wait 15 minutes for it to come out and then they're sipping their latte and they're on their computer. My tacos for people who are in and out, you know, who want their coffee to go of kids screaming, you know. We know that. Like, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. If you want one hand on this stroller, one hand like with one, yes, yeah, one exactly. hand on a taco. So it's, and a, it's a different use case. And that's, and that's how 
Hungrios was able to sell their own breakfast tacos next to my breakfast Are they tacos. still selling their own? No, they closed their kitchens um, during COVID. COVID. Yeah. And what did you need? How quickly, like, we assemble tacos now. You want to yeah, do that now? Yeah, right, let's right. do it. Yeah. We're ready. We're going to flash our tortillas and assemble tacos. tacos. Yeah, we yeah. can munch and finish our chat. So now you're in all the hungry ghosts. Did you have to raise, tell us about like hiring and if you had to raise additional capital to move to the next steps. Yeah, now you're in, in the logistics as well because you're driving right. the tacos yes. around. Yeah, so I, I often joke that I just basically have a taco logistics company. Because <laughs> I was like, thinking about that when you were like I doing totally, the research yeah, for this episode. I totally do. Um, have a taco logistics company, which is funny because even in advertising, my clients are always, it's not really a joke because it's not funny, but like they knew I love logistics. Anything that involved like how mm-hmm. things are coming together, like is, is what I love to really get into. So I combined the two things I love the most. This is what my like business school professors always said. It's like you win businesses on logistics and the really unsexy shit. Yeah. I, and, that's, like, and honestly, like that's, I have no qualms about, you know, we are the businesses. I don't try to like be sexy. It's like this yeah. is good food, functional food, food that you want to eat, food that makes people happy. I'm not like trying to, you know, put on some crazy show. And honestly, if we don't in our own business, like take care of the unsexy things. Yeah. Um, I think maybe my PR person would argue I don't focus enough on the sexy things. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Logistics are important. So now I'm in logistics. I mean, I don't know. It was insane. Like, it was insane. I, um, what does I the team look like? Do you have I mean, a driver? Do you have yeah. cars with drivers? And you have, like, who works? Yeah. Do you have, like, a loading dock, I'm picturing? <laughs> so in, at 374 Pearl, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we started, um, like, we did have a loading dock at, at HANA, but we didn't have one at, at 374 just tacos going straight out in, in, you know, insulated carriers or like bags with heat packs. Um, we I have imagine the they're going out at like six in the morning or five in the morning. To make yep. It so COVID helped day. us with times. So we used to like leave at five in the morning, but then people started um, opening sleeping later. Working yeah, sleeping, <laughs> exactly. So what um, so you have like an overnight cruise basically. Yeah, overnight now we basically have 24 hours all but like four hours of tacos being made wow. to being prepared to go out to doing all of this. And do you have like standing orders at these locations or are they yes. changing the orders all yeah, the time? Yeah they're standing orders yep that's part of the retail partner program. So we grew to before, before COVID we were at 25 retail, locate, partners. retail partner locations. All Hungry Ghosts or no Hungry 11 Ghosts, Hungry Ghosts uh, and then Independence, Stumptown. Stumptown. Well, actually I, I neglect I did try to sell Stumptown on, on the retail partner program before we started um, with Bergen or, or Hill Country, and they um, had passed. They chose someone else who made apparently like not great burritos, because <laughs> then they came back to me. But um, but they're, they're you awesome. never know. So they were with us, yeah, before before COVID. Um, and who else? I don't know. Independence. I can't remember. Oh yeah, some uptown. One chain I won't mention because they didn't pay their bills. They're still operating. Oh, really? It's still operating. Yikes. Um, So in the last two years, you've added 35. So then we've lost half of them during COVID, and we were down to, like, literally just Hungry Ghosts. And you had two (laughs) carts and just Hungry Ghosts, or you had more carts. And then we had Madison Square Park. We opened in June 2019. I, like, swore I wasn't going to do another cart, and then that RFP. So the RFP that they said was coming out in 2017, mm-hmm. came out in 2019, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it was like 2018, but it was a long time after they said, which is, you know, part of the, the part of dealing with the city, just name of the game, but, um, uh, oh, I forgot what 
Um, so we opened, yeah, I proposed, I was like, if we get it, I don't have to do it. And then we got it and I was like, I have to do it. Well, now um, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, because it's, you know, Shake Shack is the goal. It's always the goal, right? <laughs> is that what you see for this business? In the same way that it's like, you know, brick and mortar everywhere? No, but in the same way that it's ubiquitous, yes. Um, do you see it as like a, the Phantom Bagels is one that I pulled. It's like a yeah, it's Starbucks. Is it yeah. Starbucks a goal for what you I would doing? say, you know, Starbucks is definitely a, a, a goal. It's someone that right. we, you know, we're looking at exploring different ways to produce our product that would be more conducive to a Starbucks model. So they're not dealing with like the level of, kind of analysis that we do with our local um, partners to make sure they're not wasting, to make, you know, we have a four-hour shelf life on our product. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So um, it, it works, but it's not going to, gonna, you know, to be scalable, we have we, we need to figure out how that becomes more manageable for the big guys. Is there another way, yeah, is there other ways of looking at making and storing the product that's frozen and then frozen. transported or something like that? Frozen, yeah. Right. And then reheated. Yeah. So what, so now you recently opened your own your own brick and mortar, right? Um, yes. That's also part of a larger commissary. Um, so we have our production facility there. Yes. Yeah, so it's facility, basically sorry, yeah, yeah, our commissary, commissary yeah. Um, is um, at six eleven Bergen, and we have our first brick and mortar retail, which I feel like might have been confusing to people because they expected us to start making tacos there, like. Like made to order, and I was like, "No, we're still grab and go." Still it grab says and grab go. and go huge on the side yeah. of the building. Like I'm like it's like huge... no, I want the one that yeah, just that, came out. Right, and I'm like, it's still the same guys. Why retail brick and mortar at this point? Because I was building a production facility, and, I, and, and there's foot traffic. And there's foot traffic. Like yeah. we had because of the nature of our product um, being. Um, uh, having the time limit that we do, I couldn't like, you know, go deep into Bushwick where the rents were maybe cheaper. The space was bigger, but we had to kind of find somewhere in between. So we're actually going to manufacturing slash residential zone. Right. Um, how do you compete on like price point, say for, for the bodega sandwich or the bagel down the street? What's the price on these? Um, the well, you know, I was actually in financial district the other day checking out the bagel prices. They're not that cheap anymore. Um, You're not that cheap. They're not that cheap. They're not that cheap. You know, there's like it's eight fifty for a wrap that's like lower quality ingredients all around. Um, right. So we at our uh, location are four fifty to five fifty per taco. And people usually get one or two tacos. You okay? I caveat this with like I like to eat and I will eat one for breakfast. Is this but a most, standard portion? Because this is a healthy a portion. This is okay. a lot of food. Yeah. I would be eating, like, I mean, mostly done for lunch. Like, this is a standard taco. This is a standard taco. Like, we're using your... Yes. Yeah. Yes. This, this is, is a healthy portion of... Yeah. Yeah. This would and be this a is standard. Um, yes. That's a good That's deal. That's a good deal. Yeah. yeah. Especially in New York. Yeah, but I think people think, uh, they think that Tex-Mex is cheap as dirt. So, so it should be big. Yeah, it should be big. And, and also, our, you know, being wrapped, people just, like, visually think it's going to be small. But I'm like, actually, there's, like, 1.2 eggs in there and, like, you know, right. a whole piece of bacon. And, you know, um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, comparatively, if we're not, we're on par. Maybe we're more expensive if you get two, but it's much better quality food. Um, and I don't think the bodega sandwiches are going to continue to be three dollars for much longer. Right, it's like an egg and cheese. So basically, you're like you're comparing it to an egg and cheese on the yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah. It's also a standard. It's also like yeah. So the the point with the breakfast tacos though is also to like 
um, not feel like you feel after you eat a bacon, egg, and cheese. Right. Right. You feel good. You want to feel like satisfied, sustained. You want to feel energized and happy about what you just ate. Right. Just like, ooh. Well, I'm gonna take it now. I'm so I mean, yeah. I, I always ate an egg and bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll when I was like very hungover. So I never felt good no matter. <laughs> right. It's like a hangover here in New York. Right. And that was, yeah. yeah. But how do you get eggs? Like. When I, in the last few months I was working in advertising, I tried to like order a celebratory breakfast for my team and I like called Lenny and then I was like, hey, can I get 50 breakfast sandwiches? And they were like, 50 breakfast sandwiches? Like, hey. I was like, isn't this what you do? Like, you why? Yeah. 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 It was just like, yeah. I can imagine like being like, shut up. What do you want 50 sandwiches for? Yeah. yeah. What's so, your average order for each coffee shop? How many are they? The t- coffee shops the, typically order like, one. yeah, I mean, the average, yeah, go for it. Um, well, tell everybody can, who's, on, who's listening how we salsa. finished them. So okay. I put the um, migas on a tortilla, topped it with rajas, and then um, the cheese. I'll just get the pulpy part. Yeah. Um, I need to capture for the gram. And so. Did the beans go in the taco also? You could try it without, but then you know you could take like a bite of beans and a bite of uh, a bite of taco. So the migas with the cheese <laughs> and. What the onions and the peppers are called? Rajas. 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 This yep. is one of your yeah. combinations. Yes. Is this your original? Um, this is Mom's Migas, but we've made it Verde. So Mom's Migas mm-hmm. is Migas, um, uh, traditional Migas with like a red salsa topped with Rajas and cheese, and that's it. It's really good. Very good. Um, should I try it? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I don't want to see how Please. I did because I did it. <laughs> this, this is an on-the-fly recipe. This is an on- It's delicious. What's the best-selling Variation of taco. This one? <laughs> you did good. You did good. Um, oh, Delicious. Good cheese always helps. Um, mm-hmm. Our top seller is Mom's Migas by volume because um, of all the wholesales. We don't sell any of our meat tacos to our wholesale customers with this USDA regulations because the taco mm. is not a sandwich. Um, it's crazy. So it's a sandwich for DOH, but, or, sandwich but not for. Yes, so sandwiches can be wholesaled with meat because the sandwich lobby got some farm bill through. That's real. How crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, if you dig deep enough on Google, like Hillary Clinton, when she was running for Senate, like gave a whole speech about how there's, there's such an issue between FDA and USDA and who's under what and what can be sold, how and by whom, and it's just not fair or even or doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make um, sense. Yeah. yeah, it's not a food safety thing. Um, they claim it is, but it's not. They're like, you have to be inspected by USDA to sell a taco with meat, but you can go ahead and like sling turkey sandwiches and like, you know, run around with listeria if you want. That makes no sense. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, so yeah. So, um, and but for- this is, so the Mom's Migas is, our, is the top seller. Queen Bean is probably like, uh, it's kind of skewed just by who our retail partners buy, but Queen Bean is, is I think, a fan favorite, which is refried beans, potato, egg, and cheese. And now the, and now you have three carts and three carts and 60, 65 retail, part, 65 retail, retail partners. partners. Wow. Yeah. Um, all in New York city, all in New York city. And we are including four whole foods in that, um, who part of like moving to our new facility was to be able to take on customers like that who are going to require more rigorous food safety audits and things like that. So you, you know, can't be in somebody's retro, not there was nothing wrong with the Hill Country Kitchen, but like there's so many rules and like this room has to be open to this room and this table needs to be in this place. Like, and you need to have a foot bath and all those kind of things. A foot bath. Foot bath. Mm. Um, It's, it's real. Whole Foods was the first one that had 
uh, bath requirement. Yes, Whole Foods in particular does not have like a specific one, but it's part, part of, of the, like the larger so manufacturing practices. Yeah. So that's why you took the leap to get to yes. open your own facility. To be able to scale, to be able to go outside of New York City, to be able to take on someone like Starbucks, like you know, it's you can't, you're not small time anymore. So. Um, we needed to build our own facility and building our own facility in a place that was near, um, close enough to like downtown to Manhattan and Brooklyn and be able to deliver our product within the two hours we have to get it somewhere mm -hmm. to let them sell it for four hours. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, ended up in a place that had the foot traffic that made retail make sense. It was always like, that's just going to be gravy, right? It's like, how, it's grab that. and go. So right. It doesn't change who I need in the kitchen. It's just my my retail people and, and easy add. And how much capacity do you have at this facility? Like how many more grab and go partners can you add before you're gonna have to like open a second one or look for a new market? I, at this, I mean, I don't wanna say infinite because that's obviously not true, but like, you know, we could quadruple capacity quite easily in this facility, right. like without any additional like renovations or adding an upstairs wow. kitchen. Like we have, hmm. We've got 4,000 square feet of unused space right now. Wow. So we built this kitchen downstairs, but, um, and for this project, still... did you have to buy, did you have to debt finance, raise more money? <laughs> still raising more money. <laughs> Who wants to invest? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. no, well, okay. So I mean, the timeline's important. We started looking in November, 2019. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I guess I need a broker. Yeah. I guess I need a, you know, I don't know. You've never done brick and mortar. You right. Know, right. Um, never built a production facility. Um, had a good idea from like my experience in two different kitchens, but started looking and then we started negotiating on a space right before COVID hit and um, they uh, pulled out when COVID hit. They were like, we don't want to deal with food. Hmm. And I was like, okay. So it's we kept for the best, searching maybe, and even know. then, yeah, probably it was definitely for the best. We got, you know, a much more favorable deal and a better location. Um, but it was, you know, in the face of that, it was like during COVID, I was like, do I keep doing this? We had started um, uh, around um, a funding right like in December of 2019, so like yes, Jen 2020. Awesome yeah. timing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I am not shy to say like this is not what I do. I don't raise money for a living. I, I currently deliver and make tacos <laughs> at the time, right? So um, it was a little bit foreign, but, you know, I was able, I have friends who helped or, you know, network who helped us start to figure it out started conversations um then COVID hit and I was like I always knew we kind of might need to look into a bank loan but then I said you know I don't know what's going to happen with um finding investors so let's put more of our funding into a bank loan so we um pursued a 7a loan um which is like an SBA, SBA loan yep. um that uh and how did I find I think I was on like I think I was using a city site to like match me with lenders and I the SBA is actually good for like for anybody oh, who's SBA site. Yeah, the SBA, you like enter all your yeah. information for anybody who is looking for SBA lending. Yeah. Um you do have to have some like operating experience already. I think that's why it's challenging for most yes. restaurants, like, but like you are a perfect use yeah. case for it. Like yeah. looking to raise something that's like a fixed asset yes. basically mm -hmm. makes yeah, makes total sense to go that route. Yeah. Debt financing is cheaper than equity financing. Um 
Yeah. Especially so the was, recipe. I, yeah. yeah, it was, I mean, like, honestly, I feel like I still need to know more about what exactly yeah. we did. But, yeah. Um, like, I'm like, I just was kind of blinders on. Like, yeah, just like, get it done. Business get alive it right now. Um, like, we all so, were survival mode right. 2020. So, um, I forget the exact timeline, man. I know, so then I had a baby in July 2020. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it was a little Mouthful. bit yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't, I never uh, told my banker that I was having a baby and I was like responding to emails like from the hospital bed. <laughs> it's true. But that's true. Small business ownership. Yeah. Willard, sorry. You're <laughs> finding out right now I had a baby because I didn't, you know, I don't, I didn't know what they would think. Yeah, of course sure. they should not discriminate against right. me, but if they did, what was I going to do? Then like right. quit my job and go sue a bank. Like, no, no. So just felt like I could just move around it. So um, closed on the loan, like at the end of the summer or like finalized the loan, signed the lease, at the end of July, I had Raya at 7-7 and uh, kept, I was raising money in between. I think we did get some investors on, um, basically KDT believers, like people who knew us um, in, in our previous lives, you know, or Nate in his current life as, you know, marketing, they were his clients, our friends of friends who, you know, worked in, in hospitality, food and beverage, and, and also, honestly, people who've been to Austin are like, this is a no-brainer, like, yeah. why is this not happening here? Yeah. Um, we were able to, um, we didn't, we did not, uh, raise the entire amount we were raising. We were trying to raise 800 K, but because in the middle of that, we also got PP, mm-hmm. got, um, the IDL and we got the seven, a loan. So when I was using some of that funding for personnel, like, you know, PPP helped me do that. PPP right, right. helped me hire my operations right. managers, you know? So, um, when we look back at that round, it's like, you know, we didn't, uh, finished the round technically, but we did everything we said we were going to do without having to give up having more of our company. That's so, amazing. Yeah. When, when, and how many people do you have now on the team? Um, we have 40 employees wow. plus like 10, 11 contract drivers. Um, so yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, it feels like a lot and a little at the same time. Like when I say 40, I'm like, really? Do we have, do we have 40? Um, but yeah. Exciting stuff. This episode is brought to you by Route 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Route 11 dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate, an incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Route 11 potato chips believe comfort food can be just that. Know where your food comes from. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Hi, I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, Executive Director of HRN. HRN is dedicated to amplifying voices from all across our food system. Today, I'm asking listeners to take part in our summer membership drive by helping sustain our mission to expand the way eaters think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, you can receive some great HRN swag, including the HRN cap, wine carrier, or a special spice set from Burlap and Barrel. By becoming a member, you'll play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member today. 
thank you for your support. Should we do a lightning round? Yeah, we usually do like a little lightning round that we questions that we basically ask everybody. Cool. Um, what is your favorite menu item? At my my restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> At your restaurant. Your restaurant. Oh, I it changes day to day, and it's like asking like your favorite. It's like asking your favorite child. So I'm just gonna I could give you a long winding answer, but I'm gonna answer one for right now. Bean and cheese. <laughs> Bean and cheese. cheese is my favorite. Um, it was my COVID favorite. It does great in a car when I was like out delivering, you know, pregnant delivering taco drops. Um, uh, wondering if everyone was giving me COVID. I bean and cheese like stays well. And <laughs> yeah. you get, it's, I think like the staff, everyone eats bean and cheese right now. Um, and queso, mm-hmm. queso, but bean and cheese. I think we talked about this already. The most ordered item is... Queen bean would be the most ordered by customers. Right. Um, but the highest... The one we do highest volume of because of the wholesale kind of skew. We have one partner who does not carry the queen bean. Um, they might start carrying it because... Uh, carry the queen it, bean. Well, I don't, you know, honestly, save us from having to make that many beans. How many beans. packs are you making a day? Um, it depends Sorry. on the day. It can range from 2,000 to 7,000. Woo! 7,000 tacos. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. Awesome. That's a lot. Yeah. What's the best food cost? Um... Uh, bean and cheese, right? Um, but then for like the actual ones with eggs, which is more of a fair playing field, Mom's Migas. Yeah. No, and then there's a yeah, there's another taco that's technically cheaper, but it's no eggs. So and your most expensive taco is five fifty. Oh, you mean to make cost of goods or to sell? No, no, he's saying like they're your best margin items. Your margin. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but to sell like best the consumer is, is yeah, bean and cheese. <laughs> um, I guess we sell that at four fifty, but. Um, BPEC is the most expensive, uh, the bacon taco is our mm-hmm. lowest margin right now. And most we're going to have, we're going to have to increase the price on it. Right. Everybody is. Yeah. That's just how it is. Um, best business resource. It could be a book. It could be a person. It could be a podcast. Huh. Um, ooh, that's hard. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Take your time. Is meant to be a yeah. stumper? Well, I have a few answers, but I don't really think, I mean... I really think like the partners that I've done business with have been great resources. Like um, Barat from Hungry Ghost, even though he wasn't like actively teaching me anything, like just the way he operated, I was, you know, very in awe of, of what he was doing and how quickly he could make decisions and how quickly he could get to his numbers. He's like, you know, so he, he's been a resource. And also even during COVID, like, you know, he's one of the only partners that stayed open. So um, being able to reach out and be like, you know, how are you doing this? Are your employees, do they hate you? Are they okay? Yeah. Like, you know, what's going on? Um, so other, other business owners are yeah. a huge resource. And then I will say like, um, in terms of podcasts, like how I built this is I how, I, how I would end yeah. a day that I was like, I'm, I can't, I, yeah. I can't do this anymore. And then I'd get on and listen to someone and I was like, <laughs> I can't do it. It's true. That's always like such yeah. a, yeah. Whenever you're going yeah. through something, it's like, just, Put on a how I built this, and you will feel better. Yeah, um, yeah you, you will. I mean, sometimes maybe it's you know too hopeful, but I, I don't believe that. Like it's, those are that's what keeps you going. That's what the goal is, right? Is to be um, to be successful. So, and what's next for KDT? Um, well, I mean, every year is a new reinvention. I feel like, especially since now, almost half of our time has been COVID. So, um, 
what's next is um, you know continuing to expand with some of our, our partners who are expanding in the area and beyond. Um, we would like to get out of just New York. Um, I'm sure Jersey City and Hoboken would be happy to hear that we, They're coming we for you, NJ. Yeah. Um, do that. It's easy. I mean, honestly, Hoboken's closer than you know some of our retail partners on the Upper West Side. Yeah. So, At what point do you need to... How? What's your time? You said two hours, right? So mm -hmm. yeah. once your truck's moving two hours, keep, then you have to... We keep things at temp, but we could actually extend that if we had different equipment. So, so if, we if we had delivery vehicles that were, that were heated, heated yeah. Um, so Would that be the move to have heated trucks before you had another kitchen and say... Depends, yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a point that, you know, that wouldn't make sense, but yes, or you would, you know, deliver cold product and um, have it reheated. Mm -hmm. Would you ever go open a store in Austin? <laughs> Just as a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Just curious. Um, and would, how much pressure would be there? I know, what do the Texans say about, about the that? The Texans here, most of them are very supportive. I think that they understand, the Texans who are here for real, like, understand that this can't be just like Austin because yeah. you're not yeah. in Austin and yeah. it's not the Austin palette. And, like, there's just some things that you have to change. I think that's part of the reason people maybe didn't make it work before is because, like, you're trying to emulate something that isn't a lifestyle that wants to be emulated here. Mm -hmm. um, makes sense. So, your audience. Okay. Yeah, so it's... Um, I, the Texans, if I didn't have the Texan buy-in, I wouldn't be here today. So I think that they've approved me. Right. Um, I think that if anything, you know, everyone from Texas has their own opinion on like what is authentic. So I have tried to move away from like authentic breakfast tacos. That was a, to your point earlier, like to educate the consumer, like mm -hmm. it helped to give them a point of reference of Austin, authentic, yada, yada. But if like we're trying to make breakfast tacos a, a staple grab-and-go breakfast item throughout the United States, then, like, it doesn't matter that it's from Austin. I mean, maybe it will, like, brand-wise, my husband might have thoughts on that, but um, but um, I think that taking it, not tying it so much to Austin made it less controversial for yeah, the Texans, right. and I was just able to say, like, do you like this breakfast taco? <laughs> okay, then, like, let's, yeah. let's do business. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um... Where do we find King David Tacos online, on social? Yep, so everything is, you know, at King David Tacos. Turns out there was not another King David Tacos. <laughs> Turns out it was a name weird enough. KingDavidTacos.com? Uh, to, <laughs> to be at KingDavidTacos.com. Cool. And, um, yeah, you can still see the Squarespace site that I built. And that Squarespace, who was a catering customer, contacted me once and was like, can we help you? <laughs> can we help you? <laughs> Jeez. That was before COVID. I'm like, I'll still take you up on it. Yeah. It got a little bit crazy. So. And you can find us at Tillit NYC and at We Are Opening Soon. And now you can watch the videos on YouTube. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming. This is so fun. Thanks for the talk yeah, it's delicious. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by Hugh. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.